Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Full Court Press has the latest news and opinions from men's and women's college basketball. Our hosts are John Fanta, who calls games all around the country for Fox Sports and others, and Kim Adams, an analyst for Fox and ESPN, and a former D1 baller who never saw a three-point opportunity she didn't like. If you don't believe me, check her Twitter page. Take it away, guys. A championship week edition of Full Court Press, everybody. John Fanta, Kim Adams with you from Chicago. We are looking out... At the Lakeshore, we are right on the South Loop doing the podcast together for the first time in person. This is so cool. This is so fun. But yeah, this is definitely the best views we've ever had on the podcast. Fox Sports giving us a nice little hotel room <laughs> overlooking beautiful Lake Michigan, which I think looks like the Caribbean, the color of the water. Really? It's beautiful. It is beautiful. And you know what else is beautiful? The NCAA tournament, which is just a matter of days away. So here's what we know thus far. The automatic bids to the tournament. The tickets that have been punched thus far in the Atlantic Sun. The Liberty Flames 30-4. and Last year making an NCAA tournament run in the first weekend. Richie McKay's group, they brought some quality pieces back. And that's a team that you do not want to see in your bracket considering what they did last year already. 30 and 4. That's impressive, regardless of what conference you're in. Just four losses. Wow. It is. Winthrop out of the Big South at 24 and 10. Bradley, they stormed the Missouri Valley. All we talked about was Northern Iowa, and UNI goes down in the Missouri Valley. We talked about them as being a threat last week. Obviously, the Braves have been a team that's made the NCAA tournament in the past. This is going to be their 10th appearance in the big dance, but they come on the Valley. Utah State, Kim, in the Mountain West, that was the first ticket punched, and fittingly, it comes from what could have been the last team in because Utah State playing in the same league as San Diego State, but they remove all doubt in what was a great, great championship game. Crazy. San Diego State, they had it rolling. What happened? Well, I still think that this is a team that is going to make a run in the NCAA tournament, is going to be in the Sweet 16 if the draw is right, the Elite Eight. Uh, we'll see what happens with the seed line after that loss in the finals. But There's still a two seed currently, according well, to our well, guy Joe. Now Joe I think Lenardi. they'll be a two seed. I mean, I, I, I think they're firmly a two. I, I think that they'd like to think that they have a case for the one, but Dayton has just uh, been unstoppable, and if they run ship in the Atlantic 10, oh, then Day- there's no doubt. Dayton, 100% deserving of a number one. I would I would say regardless of what happens in the Atlantic 10 tournament, John, because we've seen all of these yeah, teams but, have multiple losses now. But the Atlantic 10 is not strong. I know, but what did Joe tell us last week? He said they don't put too much priority on conference tournaments. I don't know. I, th- I think they're going to win. They're going to win the 8-10. I think they're going to win. They're going to be a number one seed. And it, after you get past that, I mean, all of these teams have 
four and five losses now. So teams teams that have four and five losses are going to be a number one or two seed. That's right. just the reality this year, which is pretty cool. I think the only thing that's unique about the San Diego State-Utah State thing is Utah State was on the bubble. They were looking like they could still be on the right side of the bubble, even with a loss. Well, now they're in. And now they're absolutely in. But to my point, the Atlantic 10 is not a league that's stacked with three, four, or five teams that are heading to the big dance. And so that's what's unique about that league. I mean, just looking at what Joe Lenardi's got right now, he's got the Atlantic 10 as just... Richmond, uh, first four out. Right, Richmond in the first four out. He doesn't even have a team besides is, Dayton. Rhode Island is out? Just Dayton right now? That's that's what I'm seeing here according to Bracketology. Rhode Island, no, they're on the outside. So that's dynamic. The Mountain West and Atlantic 10, they're not different from each other uh, with what we're looking at. Meanwhile, Belmont, uh, they're on the Ohio Valley, and they are heading to their ninth. NCAA tournament their second straight we got a couple of teams and I think this is interesting because it's been wide open in college basketball out of the mid-majors Liberty Bradley Utah State Belmont all went to the tournament last season it's an interesting experience 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 is huge when you get to the NCAA just having to deal with everything that goes on when you get there the media circus the open locker rooms we've seen it from the reporting side it's so much different from the regular season from the conference tournament so to be a a team with experience a mid-major just the fact of knowing how everything works and operates when you get there I think is a huge thing because it allows you to stay focused on the actual game so we're going to take you through here in somewhat rapid fire fashion because we want to give you our overarching thoughts and then our champion in six conferences this week in those respective tournaments. We've got the Big East, the Big Ten, the SEC, the Pac-12, the Big 12, and the ACC. So let's jump right in, Kim, with the Big East, Madison Square Garden, Wednesday to Saturday. What do you see? All right, well, let's let's look at the bracket first. Let's talk bubble implications. Probably there's not a lot of bubble implications going on in the Big East tournament, probably less so than most of the other major conferences because really regardless of what happens, six teams are solidified in. Creighton, Butler, Providence now after their late surge, Villanova and Marquette, and of course Seton Hall. The one team who is looking to get in would, would be Xavier. So six teams are firmly in. Joe Lunardi has them. Xavier currently in the first four out. So in terms of NCAA implications, I think that's the only team that has a a tremendous amount of pressure riding on them. Uh, Xavier in that 7-10 game on Wednesday, they will take on DePaul. If they were to win, they'll have to play Villanova. So I think you have to absolutely win two. You have to upset Villanova to play your way into the dance and then you know there's a lot of seating implications though for this conference uh Villanova Creighton and Seton Hall specifically right now Joe Lenardi has Creighton as a two and then he has Villanova and Seton Hall as a three will any of those teams get to a one seed I don't think so no just just too many losses but I do think Creighton is is playing to stay on that two line and with all the losses we've seen I think Seton Hall or Villanova could potentially move up to a two as well. So the, there's not 
you know, an overarching amount of pressure on these teams in terms of we need to win one or two games to get to the dance. But of course, there's pride. They want to hoist the trophy. Creighton wants to hoist the trophy. <laughs> Seniors want to hoist the trophy. Um, so yeah, let's see. Winner, winning this tournament, or I, this is always a battle, tournament versus tournament. I'm a Northeast girl. I say tournament. I'm, I'm going Seton Hall, John. Seton Hall Pirates. I know they, they didn't close out the season the way they had hoped, losing to Villanova at home, losing at Creighton the other day. But I think Kevin Willard is a tremendous coach. They have Miles Powell, who thrives in the big game situations, thrives at Madison Square Garden. And then they have a bunch of other talented pieces. Romaro Gill, I think, is a big X factor at seven feet tall. And I just I think they're going to be so motivated by how they ended the season. Um, I think they have the pieces. I think they have the coaching. I think they're going to get get it together. Seton Hall, my pick to win the Big East. So I'm going to go bold here a little bit. Marcus Zagorowski's having an MRI. Uh, suffered an injury over the weekend, leg injury, and it's getting looked at right now. So for top-seeded Creighton, that's big. Zagorowski is... As Greg McDermott has talked about, the heart and soul of this team, he gives them an edge. Creighton beating Seton Hall on Saturday in Omaha. What a moment for them, their regular season title. Uh, the fans stormed the court. They cut down the nets. And for the Blue Jays, if I had told you 10 years ago that they'd win the Big East, you would have said, well, what are you talking about, John? Well, being in the Big East has elevated Creighton, and Creighton's elevated the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, this 10-team, soon-to-be 11-team configuration of it with UConn coming back next year. But for the Jays, they have a three-headed monster in Zagorowski, Tyshawn Alexander, and Mitch Ballock. Of the three, the most important piece, in my opinion, is Zagorowski because he's the one running the point, and Greg McDermott doesn't have much at the point guard position around him. McDermott said on Monday during the Big East coaches' teleconference that he's uncertain of Zagorowski's status. If Zagorowski does not play, the nightmare matchup for Creighton is a team that beat them by double digits in commanding fashion. That is St. John's uh, just over a week ago. And St. John's at the Garden is a different level. I've got St. John's knocking off Creighton and advancing to the semifinals of the Big East Tournament. Against Butler or Providence. Against the Providence Friars. Agree. I like the Friars to take that game. And I think that Providence College wins the Big East tournament. Whoa! That's a hot take right there. Providence, I mean, they are, confidence could go a long way. The Friars are riding high right now. They are. They are riding high. Coach Cooley is on a little horse and unicorn just on his way into MSG this week. Friars have won six in a row. Let's turn to the ACC. This is another tournament where I'm going to I'm gonna look at the bracket here a little bit, and I've got a bold claim. Now, first and foremost about the ACC, you, you think about this league and what they've been able to put together, and it's been a disappointing season for them by their standards. This has been a down year. I expect this league to bounce back next season. But the question this year is, will the ACC get four or five? No, not five in the top 16 reveal. No, we're talking about four or five teams in the entire field of 68. The ACC's had seven or more teams go dancing in each of the last four seasons. And so heading into this tournament this week, there's a lot of question marks. There's a lot of teams that have to win this tournament if they're going to make the big dance. Uh, I think the top-seeded Florida State is going to 
get past Duke and be in the championship game in this bracket. Duke is uh, the four seed right now in bracketology. Florida State looks like a two. Duke's around the three line. If Duke could win this tournament, they could hop back into a, a two conversation. Louisville right now uh, is a four seed. I don't think that's going to change much for the Cardinals. Virginia, they've won eight in a row. This is a testament to Tony Bennett. Would not want to face the Cavaliers. Uh, but I think there's a team, and I know that this is this might come as a shock, but I just think they've got last a last breath, and we see some teams sometimes deliver during championship week. Now, I don't think they're going to win more than two games, but I think them just being on, in this game is going to add some intrigue. North Carolina, I've got beating Virginia Tech. Then I think the Tar Heels take down Syracuse. It's very feasible. It's very feasible that the Tar Heels could beat a Syracuse team that's had an up-and-down season. Then North Carolina would face Louisville. And I'll take Louisville to win that game, but I've seen Louisville's backcourt have problems. I've seen them have trouble meshing at times. And that's my concern with the Cardinals is they have trouble scoring. If there's a team out of the top four if you're Carolina that you would face, you don't want to face Florida State. You don't want to face Duke. You, you haven't been able to get past them. And you do not want to face Virginia with them having won eight in a row. If there's a team that North Carolina would want to face, it is Louisville. Don't rule out the Tar Heels making some sort of a, a miracle-type run out of the grave. It, it's that, that could add some intrigue to this tournament. The, the question team is NC State. Uh, they've been a headline maker here all season. If you look at them, they're going to face either Wake Forest or Pitt. They've got to win that game. And then they're in a position where they're going to face Duke, who they did beat in commanding fashion. But I think that's bad news for the Wolfpack in the conference tournament. I like Florida State, and I like them to face... I, I hate to go chalk, because I'm not, but I, I just think Virginia's playing too well right now for me to say otherwise. Because I like Florida State to beat Duke, and I'm not sure about Louisville or the Game Six winner, which is between Syracuse and, and right now I've got North Carolina. So I think we're going to get a Florida State and Virginia final. I'm going chalk with this. Florida State's the best team in the ACC. The Seminoles are a team that I, I may very well pick to go to Atlanta. Leonard Hamilton is like a well-aged wine. He, he he doesn't age. He just gets better. So I like the Seminoles in the ACC. Now I just want red wine. Yeah, so do I. We could use a glass. We'll see after our game tonight. John and I will be on the sidelines for the Big East Women's Championship, which will be over by the time this is out. But hopefully we'll, we will have gotten some wine by then. And, John, really no argument for me there. I was – going to pick the Seminoles as well I think they have the most balance in terms of scoring offense and defense they have size they're tough on the boards and you have to be able to make shots in March you need to have shooters they're second in the ACC in three-point field goal percentage so Florida State both of us are agreeing on that one let's talk Big Ten Big Ten if you didn't think it could get any crazier the number one seed in the tournament is Wisconsin. Wisconsin has won eight straight games. They started six and six in conference play. <laughs> yeah. I've been living under a bubble the last few days, sure. and I was shocked, absolutely shocked, to see that Wisconsin was the number one seed 
after it's been a lot of talk about Michigan State, Maryland, all season long. Maryland had, had been up there longer. Michigan State started to reel a little bit, has gotten back together. But the fact that the Wisconsin Badgers are the number one seed just blows my mind. All right, let's talk some bubble implications for this one, John. Really, the big two here are Indiana, who's currently in the last four in, and Purdue, who is in the next four out. So we look at the bracket here. Indiana, where's so many tabs open here? Indiana, the number 11 seed. So they're playing on, they're playing on day one. I mean, that's how crazy the, that's how crazy this is. They're currently in the tournament in the NCAA with an 11 seed in the Big Ten tournament. Just make sure you don't lose to Nebraska. Ugh, Nebraska has what two two Big Ten wins, I believe. Yeah. So you you have, absolutely have to get through that one. They would then take on the six seed Penn State, who has not closed out the season well after a strong start to the season. And then now, if they win that one, that sets up Maryland. So. I think I think Indiana's going to be fine. I think they will I think they'll get to Maryland. What happens after that? Well, um, <laughs> Michigan what? State being on that side of the bracket. You know, we were talking before we were looking at this and you were talking about Ohio State being a team that you really like. They're the 7 seed. But if Michigan State's on your side of the bracket in the Big 10 tournament, good luck. That's tough. That's tough. And you know what I was going to say, John is well, let's talk Purdue first because they're on the outside. Purdue Purdue has a tough road ahead of them because they're playing Ohio State, who, spoiler alert, I'm picking Ohio State to win the Big Ten tournament. So you can keep your little Michigan State fandom going over there because Ohio State and Michigan State will be meeting in the quarterfinals. Anyway, Purdue, I think it's going to be a real tough road for them to get into the tournament because they start with Ohio State if they were to win that. Then they play Michigan State. Our fantastic producer, Mike Lieber, here has a, a remarkable stat. If, if, Purdue, if Purdue doesn't run the table, they have one more loss. That would be 16 losses. That would be the most ever losses allowed into the tournament for an at-large bid. There have been a couple teams with 15. Vanderbilt in 2017, Alabama 2018, and Florida last year. Those are, those are SEC teams. I don't know about that. But so Purdue, Purdue is in a must-win situation to get in. I don't, I don't think it's going to be too good for them. But as I quickly mentioned, my pick to win the Big Ten, Ohio State, Chris Holtman leading the troops. We've talked about some of the strengths of this team, their ability to shoot the three, their size, their ability to rebound. They're, they're getting healthier. They're figuring out their rotations after some adversity earlier in the season. I'm going Buckeyes, defeating Michigan State in the quarterfinals and winning the whole thing. I'll take Sparty. I'll ride Winston and Izzo. I'll be on the other side of this, and I'll ride them until they prove otherwise uh, in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, don't be surprised if they see Illinois on the other side of the bracket in the championship game. Let's turn to the SEC. Huge 4-5 game between Mississippi State right now on the outside looking in and a lot of bracketologies. Joe Lenardi's got them outside in the field in the next four out. They're going to have a 4-5 game with Florida. Florida's on the right side of the bubble, uh, but for the Gators, they could remove any little doubt by winning this game. Auburn, Florida, and LSU are all top 30 net teams. In the SEC, this is... 
not a, a huge conference tournament in terms of NCAA tournament seeding. It's more about the fact, could they get a fifth team in? Right now, I think they're only a four-bid league, and it's not been a strong year in the conference. Like, we've talked down about the ACC. The SEC has been pretty much just as bad. I feel like they haven't. I haven't heard anything about the ACC. The no SEC. One, no one's yeah. making noise. No. You hear Kentucky's doing their thing, but I really haven't. I haven't heard anything about the SEC this year. No, and I even think that the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the Big East. I think particularly not the Big Ten as much, but I think that the Pac-12 and the Big East have benefited as a result of those leagues being down because you could see seven teams from each of those leagues. Absolutely. If I had told you seven Pac-12 teams would dance, even in the Big East a little bit, you know, I, I think you could have said five, maybe six, not seven. There could be seven apiece because of other leagues not performing as well. It's Kentucky and then everybody else. Auburn, on their best day, can beat Kentucky. We've seen it this season. Uh, the... The thing about Kentucky is uh, Ashton Hagens, he had the sprained wrist injury. John Calipari says he's going to play, that everything will be okay. This Kentucky team, Kim, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just not sure what to think. It depends on the day. They're going to be a team. It depends on the draw. And I think that they're good defensively. I've been, I like what I see on that end of the floor. But again, shot making is something that's kind of come and gone for them at times. I think they have to involve Nick Richards when they involve him in the post. Good things happen for them. But that starts with guard play being consistent. And between Hagens and Maxi, I'm just not sure. I, I, I still think that the Wildcats are going to win the SEC tournament. But if Auburn catches a hot one, Bruce Pearl's the type of coach... It, Things get into a rhythm. Yeah, things get into a rhythm with the Tigers. They're such they've got such a high octane offense. And in a year in college basketball where we've got teams struggling all over to score the ball consistently, that's the threat that Auburn poses. But I think that coming into this tournament, the game to watch is the four or five matchup between Mississippi State and Florida. And I think that you've got uh, you're in a situation where Kentucky is going to end up winning this conference tournament. I, I don't see there being uh, really any doubt about that. Let's turn to the Pac-12. Pac-12, another another conference that's just been a bit unpredictable. And they're not doing so well in the grand scheme of things in terms of bracketology. So right now, their number one seed, Oregon, is a four seed in Joe Lunardi's bracket. Right, but so, hey, if they get six or seven teams in, the money counts the same in the Pac-12 office. I know. I'm just saying in terms of seeding and in terms of a lot of teams in the Pac-12 who may be high up in the standings in the Pac-12, sure, they're feeling some pressure when it comes to getting into that bracket. Even when you look at UCLA, UCLA, the number two seed in the Pac-12 tournament, has a 76 net ranking. They're behind Stanford, USC, and ASU. So even UCLA, who's had a great surge at the end of the season under first-year head coach Mick Cronin, according to the net, they're number 76. Yeah. And that's pretty – I just can't – there's a lot going on there. Stanford is in the net rankings as a 30, but to end the season, they've lost to Oregon, Oregon State. They're 9-9 in the conference. So the Pac-12, 
I don't know how much faith people are putting in their teams to advance far into the bracket. But there's a couple teams here who may be seeded high. UCLA, ASU at the three seed, USC at the four seed, Stanford the seven seed. These are teams that that better win a couple games in the Pac-12 tournament if they want to be in that bracket. Let's see. Joe currently has... Joe currently has seven of them in, but a lot of them are are on the brink here. Uh, Let's see. Seeding-wise, or really not much seeding-wise. We mentioned Oregon right now. They're they're the top seed at a four. Will they go much higher than that? I don't think so when we've talked about the, the strength of the other conferences, the Big Ten. The Big East. So in terms of seeding, no one's really cracking the, the top three here. I think the Pac-12 has depth. I think we've seen cannibalization. But I don't think that there's... The talent level is down. No, and there's there's not a national championship team in the Pac-12. I don't even... Is is there a Sweet 16 team in the Pac-12? Yeah, I think Oregon's a Sweet 16 team. Okay. Because of Peyton Pritchard. Okay. Uh, predictions. Predictions for the Pac-12... <sighs> I'm going Arizona State. Why? Hurley factor. <laughs> um, I think Remy Martin's a very good player. I watched I'll them. Take a double. I watched them cl- Right, right. I watched them play USC. It was a hard game to watch. Arizona State was falling into turnovers. They weren't getting quality looks. They always have great guard play, though. They always have great guard play. They can get into the paint. They're going to hit some shots. They would meet UCLA in the semis. UCLA has had a nice run, but I'm going with the Sun Devils. You're going with... Who are you going with? I'm taking a look here. I just think that Peyton Pritchard in a conference tournament stage and the coaching of Dana Altman, I mean, I hate to be... I hate to be a guy who's picking chalk here, but... You can be that guy. Well, I just... I, it's no shame. I, I think that... I, like, I don't have faith that Arizona State can string together a consistent run. And I, I'm i looking at the bracket here. We've, we've got potentially an Arizona... If Arizona can get past Washington and then USC, we could get an Oregon-Arizona game. I think the winner of that game wins this tournament. I don't trust UCLA or Arizona State in a championship game. You know what? The hell with it. I'm picking UCLA. <laughs> All right. I'm going to take the Bruins. I'm going to take battle McCrone. out again. Yeah, in the I'll semifinals. Take this, this story writes another chapter. I'm going to I'm going to take UCLA. The run continues. Last but not least, let's turn to the Big 12. We would sign up for a round 3 of Kansas and Baylor who wouldn't in college basketball even around 4 if we got that uh, in the final 4. These two teams have just been so outstanding all season. Kansas in my mind, I, I like them more than Baylor heading into the big dance. Baylor's shown us just some flaws here as of late, and on the offensive end in particular. Like, I think that they're a great rebounding team with what Freddie Gillespie gives them and just their physicality. They defend as well as anybody. And the Big 12, talking with Fran Fraschilla, who does the Big Monday package, he brought it up. They've got like five teams in defensive efficiency in Kempom in the top 20, top 25 uh, in the country. This is the best defensive league. Um, And and that's why they've got a couple of teams, uh, Kansas, Baylor, who could be in the Final Four, 
even Oklahoma, I like to make a run. West Virginia is going to be difficult to play, and the Mountaineers have won back-to-back games after they were falling in the wrong direction. They're going to be one tough six or seven seed. But let's turn to this tournament here. I, here's my thought. So Oklahoma-West Virginia is the 3-6 game. It's a bad matchup for West Virginia. But the game of this tournament is the fourth-seeded Texas Longhorns and the fifth-seeded Texas Tech Red Raiders. Why? Because Texas is squarely on the bubble. Right now, they might be in Dayton if they were in, but they're on the outside looking in, in my opinion. They've got to win this game over Texas Tech to be in the field of 68. This is Tech's pressure. Big pressure. And Texas Tech on the other side, they made it to the national championship game last year. This is a team that was ranked in the preseason. They've shown us their potential at times with Jemias Ramsey, with Davide Moretti, with a good core of players, but they've also shown us flaws. These are two teams who have been inconsistent this season, but I trust Chris Beard more than I trust Shaka Smart. Plain and simple. So I'm going to take Texas Tech to win this game. I think that they're the tougher team. I think it shows in the conference tournament. Kansas comes out of the top side in the bracket, and the Jayhawks are my are my Big 12 tournament champion. But I think they're going to be facing Oklahoma, not Baylor. Mm. I don't think we get a round three of Kansas and Baylor. I think we have Kansas and Oklahoma. I like the Jayhawks to hoist the Big 12 tournament trophy. As we now turn to buzzer beaters. Buzzer beater. The clock is running down. Time to send the fans home happy with a buzzer beater. So as we mentioned at the top, this is the first time John and I have been recording together in the same place. We are in Chicago for the Big East Women's Basketball Championship. So I I gotta lead off the buzzer beater with unfortunate a little negativity here. John Fanta, who you know, I'm like a motherly figure to John. Some people don't know this, but I'm actually six years older than John. Many people assume we're about the same age. And I've always strived to try and make John be a little bit more organized. I've seen him leave laptops. I've I've just seen him leave a lot of things lying around and, and be running late for this. I'm, I'm always waiting on him in the car because he's not old enough to get a rental car. So I have to get the rental car and drive him everywhere. I'm also John's chauffeur. So you're welcome. But lo and behold, John Fanta has lost his cell phone <laughs> in Chicago. He has no idea where it is. He believes it has been stolen. It's, I, I do. It's on the move. Because I've had, I've had the <laughs> find my iPhone, which unfortunately I've used twice in the last year. The first time it worked and I found it. A Russian supermodel had it at a New what? York City hotel. Yeah. You're a liar. Yeah, no, no I'm way. Not. No, I'm not. A Russian well, did you super- get the number upon uh, yeah, getting she it gave returned? Me the phone. She called no, my but, mom. But what? did you get her number when she returned the phone to you? No. You met up with a Russian supermodel, and you didn't get her number. Uh, is that bad? <laughs> I'm just saying, well, take be- advantage of the si- situation. No, she gave me the phone back. That was the situation <sighs> okay. I was taking advantage of. Okay. So here in Chicago, we're at Wintrust Arena, and I'm not going to accuse anybody of anything, but I went to the bathroom after uh, the final quarterfinal game of the day on Saturday. There's four games, and upon my return from the bathroom, I was talking to a couple of coaches, and 
have my stuff. I'd actually packed some things up already. I guess I, I didn't pack up my phone, and I went back to the table, and it wasn't Ugh. there. The phone has been close to Wintrust Arena. I've looked everywhere for it. I mean, everywhere. Well, today, I come to find it's somewhere in the state of Illinois. It's gone. It's Yes, it's somebody, gone. No, somebody I either that. think someone jacked it, someone took it, or it somehow got thrown in the garbage. Oh. Either way, a tough situation. But we have had good food. Yes, we... and, and I'm getting a new phone, folks. It's getting shipped. I have to finish off the insurance claim when we get off. Food-wise, where we are for this tournament, is there's not a lot going on in this region of the city. So for my first, this is night, this will be night five here for us. First three nights, we ended up at Pisano's Pizza, whether eating there or taking out. Um good pizza by the way and i got um i got thin crust i i don't know if i've said this on the podcast before but i think deep dish pizza is an absolute joke and i i just don't like it um i'm from new york i'm okay new york pizza i'm not i'm not doing the deep dish all right i used to think that the deep dish was better than Mm -mm. the thin but Chicago thin, Chicago thin beats it. It's not disgusting. It's dis- it's a layer of it's, sauce. It's on a delicacy. Bread. It's a layer of sauce on bread. Some people like it. That's not pizza. We just lost a listener. <laughs> well, they can take their Giordano's and ride off into the sunset for all I care. All right, let's talk about the. Oh my gosh, <laughs> let's talk about the. Geez, you're in a mood. Let's talk about the barbecue, though. Yes. So then, after three nights of Pisano's Pizza, where they do not have, I, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna call out the service. All I will say, <laughs> all I'm gonna say is the service in the Midwest does not have as much of a sense of urgency okay, as right, us Northeasterners right. are used now to. Now you listen to me. I'm, as your laptop really goes fine. <laughs> I am from Ohio, and I am not gonna take this. <laughs> I'm not going to take your criticism of Midwestern folk. You know, we are the heartland of America. Chicago folks are wonderful people. They are, but I just, when I'm coming into a restaurant after working four straight games, I've been at the arena for 12 hours, and it takes me at least like 30 minutes to even put put an order in, and then another 30 to get the food. What was our reader's name? Jeff? Jeff. Jeff was Jeff, in it. Well, Jeff hooked. was in over his head. I'll, I'll give him that. He was. He had to tend to every table in the restaurant. He did, and that's too hard. <sighs> Anyways, I I did save the day. Three nights of Pisano's pizza and pasta. I took the crew to a great barbecue spot that I had been to when I lived in Chicago during my time at Northwestern, uh, Bub City. It was a big hit with everyone. It's a great summer spot they actually had the windows open last night that just shows you it was like it it was probably like 48 degrees and chicago was like this is a balmy evening let's open up the windows i love it we had some good barbecue they had some pulled pork waffle fries they brought us some fried pickles i was had a burger i was just upset it was the limited late night menu and they didn't have cornbread that's all I, i just really wanted a little cornbread and a little mac and cheese but the buffalo bites were top notch those were very good, and we're topping it off, hopefully, at Gibson's tonight. What what type of food is that? Is a that a steakhouse? Because steak. that's all I want tonight. Is Medium a steak. rare steak with steak a, glass a, gla- exactly. a glass of red wine. Exactly, a glass of Leonard Hamilton. This is why. <laughs> oh goodness, I'm not gonna. No, I'm gonna just have my glass of red wine. Leonard Hamilton. I, is I like, know you. I know, but 
I don't want to sound creepy as a female commenting on a <laughs> male that be... looks like a glass of wine. <laughs> no, no, no. He ages yeah, like but, wine. Okay, you're right. Anyways, what what a week it's been here week. in Chicago for us. Selection Sunday. Here we go. We're gonna be we're gonna have some special coverage around the big dance. We're going to be all over East, each region. We'll give you picks. We'll give you players to watch. We'll give you everything you need to know right here on Full Core Press. And, folks, just a matter of, as we will release this Tuesday, five days away from Selection Sunday. I can't wait. We all get jitters. I'll be sweating. It's going to be fun. Stay tuned because we got you covered throughout the madness. Another episode of Full Core Press in the books. We'll be working overtime next week. Bonus content to come in addition to our usual Tuesday show. Thanks to our producer, Mike Lieber, as well as Bruce Bernstein for all of their help. Ben Wolfen edits the show, and we always appreciate his contributions. Please check out our other Pure Hoops media shows. And some of those Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong. That one comes every Wednesday. On Thursday, our good friend Monica McNutt, who's doing a great job on the ACC tournament coverage. Her show drops every Thursday, Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. On Fridays, it's the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Mike Wise show, that's every Monday. And of course, John and I, we mentioned the bonus coverage. We will be back for some Selection Sunday, but we're always back on Tuesdays. So check it out. Check them all out. Please download them. Give us some nice ratings and reviews and enjoy these shows. So signing out from Chicago, Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams. We'll see you next time. I need a phone and some dancing shoes. Oh, yeah. If you see John Fanta's phone, shoot us a tweet, shoot us a message, and and say a prayer to St. Anthony. (laughs) Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.